Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. You get what the main word there was? Mob, right? Now, you could think this is silly. No one's going to go for the idea that there's a mob of Democrats. Listen to Senator McConnell, the GOP Senate leader. Wow, he's really embracing something this deceptive and divisive. And it goes further than simply Democrats. In true us versus them fashion, it's not just about parties. It's about people. It's about the rabid left. One of the side effects of the nightmare of the Trump presidency is that Fox News has given itself increasingly to white nationalist propaganda. That language of, of being replaced comes straight out of the marchers in Charlottesville last year. Okay, like who? Well, like these women. Like the vicious women who came out to share their stories of sexual harassment and trauma during the Brett Kavanaugh proceedings. These women, the same ones that confronted Jeff Flake on that elevator and made a difference, if you'll remember. Now, according to the GOP, these women are part of the liberal mob. Now, they're not as endearing as, let's say, the Proud Boys or the Confederacy kin that Republicans like to cotton to, but a mob? Do you think they've tested this and that's why they're doing it? The any immigrant line? Do you think that's why they're doing it, Dave? Oh, without question. Again, they know fear sells, and they're and they are peddling this very disgusting fear when it comes to culture wars. Listen to to the point that was made by the by the TV host. You know what? If we have greater voices of diversity in our country, whether they were born here, naturalized, or immigrated here, good for us. That makes us a stronger nation and a better nation and a smarter nation. Fear and loathing, and arguably lying, quite a strategy. But in a period of turbocharged toxicity. Is it the way to get GOP faithful to the polls? We will see. We are seeing these attacks that are without question dividing us culturally as a nation. And at some point, we get to question the fitness of Republican decision makers that make those decisions. The other big midterm election story today, President Trump's closing argument, which features a heavy dose of a bit of fear mongering, conspiracy theories and even some mob style antics. And folks, it just might work. If you woke up from a coma and saw the president for the first time at his rally in Montana, and you were in this coma going back to 2014, you'd probably say, boy, this is off the rails. There's the president reviving chance of lock up his defeated political opponent. And there's the president cheering the assault of a reporter by Congressman Greg Gianforte. And doing so at the same time, uh, the murder of a Washington Post journalist is dominating the headlines. Greg is smart. And by the way, never wrestle him. You understand that? Never. Any guy that can do a body slam, he's my kind. Yet there's the president telling that same crowd of people who cheered the assault of a reporter and the jailing of their political opponent that it's the other side that has turned into the angry mob. And there's the president pushing any number of conspiracy theories about rigged elections, paid protesters, and a caravan of immigrants he says were maybe dispatched to the border just to make him look bad. Folks, these are antics that might be typically called off the rails by traditional political standards. But in this environment, the president might actually be putting the GOP back up. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. This is the 26th of October, year of our Lord, 2018, and I'm three days late. I apologize. Our intro is still the spillover from Mob. They took that for like a whole week of Mob. 
Oh, he called them mobs. You are a mob. Before I play and talk about all sorts of proof of how much the Democrats are mobs, I'll explain why I was late. Uh, my wife's a Halloween freak, and I'm sure all of you have spirit Halloweens near you. Well, we had wanted to buy one of their mock-ups. It's a farmhouse, scary. They walk in and out. You put a fog machine, and they, you can use that like on your front porch. And I'd walked in to get a few things to help the wife finish up because Halloween's her deal. But I just got a couple lights and a few things. And I decided to go to Spirit. And I asked, well, does somebody buy it? Because we had talked before to them. And they said they sell it towards the 20th of October. Well, long story short, they hadn't. I gave 100 bucks, and I got a 20-foot-tall structure. It's all cardboard. You have to build like a wooden structure. So that's what I was doing, hauling it over, Jim bobbing it over from the other side of town on my boat because I don't have a trailer and I can't rent trailers. Um, soft top Jeeps. Nobody wants to rent you a trailer. And then I was building the structure. So uh, that's where I was. Instead of podcasting or even putting together a podcast, I was actually dorking around with that. So my intent is uh, we're going to go with a uh, every Friday for the time being until I can get into sync. So next one will be November 2nd. So um, back to the mob. Uh, here's Rosie. She didn't say this on The View. This is on MSDNC. When he was elected, what I wrote on Twitter was we should impose martial law till we make sure that the Russians weren't involved in the final tallies of the votes. And Bob Mueller has indicted 13 Russians for election meddling. And people were like, martial law, what's wrong with you? You're a lunatic. You're... Well, he wants to send the military to the border, so. I want to send the military to the White House to get him. Gene. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think I can stop that. You, but that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, I, no, it's, um, it, it, is, it is astonishing um, uh, that we're living through this era, it really is, yes. and, and um, you have to try, I think, to be optimistic that after it ends, we can put the pieces back together. Somehow. But when I walked into the makeup so room and I talked to you, you were down for the first time since I've known you. Why? I, 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 you know, at the, 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 um, the killing of Jamal Khashoggi mm. has... has been um, uh, it's been very sad for the Washington Post newsroom. I, don't, I, I did not know him. A lot of people uh, at the Post, especially in my corner of the newsroom, did uh, did know him. Um, uh, have known him for years, and just the, uh, you know, his editor is a good friend of mine. Just the just the, the thought of this this horrific um, torture and murder that that um, it's now clear happened, uh, and to to have the president of the United States um, trying to find a way to ignore it, trying to find a way to just like pretend it didn't happen yes. uh, as opposed to, um, and, and you can't have any faith that that really that he's going to do the right thing. And I think he's doing Whatever that the right to, thing is, sorry, he's not going to do it. He's doing that to scare every journalist here who he calls enemy of the people as we all know. He's doing that, right? Here's a guy who was tortured and killed, a journalist who was speaking badly of KSM and he doesn't respond. Why? I'm sure that's his wet dream, to think what could he possibly do to scare journalists from not printing bad news about him, which is also equivalent to the truth about him. You know, under Obi-Wan Kenobi Obama, that would also be a racist mob calling for a military coup. And then you have this, Zoe Sharp, honored to be in New York Times Books this week, alongside Scott Turow, Joe Finder, Laura M. Lippman, Jason Matthews, we were asked to write short fictions on what happens 
next on the U.S.-Russia scene. Here is an excerpt. When it was time, he went downstairs, took his place in the lobby for the entourage appear. The hotel staff had been lined up to see their boss, the president, go by. A few of them applauded. Most did not. The president didn't seem to notice. He waved in his delusionary fashion. His secret servant agents clustered around him, ushered him towards the armored limo idling outside the curb. The Russian waited until there were a few steps passed before he drew the gun. He sighted on the center of the president's back and squeezed the trigger. The gun misfires, and the story ends with the Secret Service agent handing his Glock and saying, Here, use mine. That's what the New York Times printed. Assassinating the president. Yeah. But you're not a mob. No. Brooklyn U.S. Attorney's Office has charged a New York man with threatening to murder and assault two U.S. Senators. Retaliation for support for the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, well, that's okay. Then we have uh, but Daily Cost founder Marcos Mulatas seemed happy to have a chance to turn table and blame right-wingers for being the true fountain of terrorism. For all the talk about the mob, it is the right that is the founder of terrorism from McVeigh to George Tiller murder, the Heather Heyer in Charlottesville to Proud Boys to strutting around with assault rifles. Unless we forget the NRA. Yeah. that's That was out there. And we'll talk about the bombs. It's all bullshit. Uh, that's later. Nets ignore upsurge in attacks against GOP candidates and lawmakers. Nobody's covering it. Up first was an incident in Minnesota where state GOP representative Sarah Sanders said she was confronting a man kicking down her campaign sign when he punched her. Sandler called her an anarchist and told her she should kill herself. He comes charging at me and gets between me and the car door, so I couldn't shut the car door. Without leaving Minnesota, there was a first-time candidate, Shane Meckland, who says he was at a restaurant in Benton County, Minnesota, talking about campaign issues when he was blindsided, according to Meckland. The gal over here asked me something, and I was talking to her, and that's when a gentleman literally just punched me out of nowhere. He got knocked the fuck out. The liberal media would probably argue that tax against those right-wingers weren't worthy of national media attention because they were state-level politicians. But they didn't explain their dead silence in the suspicious letter with uh, ricin to Collins. Tucker had more to talk about because the next one is GOP candidate receives letter th- threatening his seven children. After that, boulder thrown through window GOP House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy's house. But they don't have time to cover that. That They're not a mob. Tucker, in Minnesota, there were two separate incidents. First state GOP representative Sarah Anderson says she confronted a man for kicking down her campaign sign and the man didn't like it. Watch. He comes charging at me and then gets between me and the car door so I couldn't shut the car door. And I didn't want to just... I froze, basically. That's when she says the man punched her, calling her an anarchist and saying she should kill herself. Then, first-time candidate Shane Mecklin says he was at a restaurant in Benton County, Minnesota, talking about campaign issues when he was blindsided. Listen. This gal over here asked me something, and I was talking to her, and that's when this gentleman literally just punched me out of nowhere. 
Yeah, Mecklen says he blacked out when he hit the ground, and medical records show he suffered a concussion. Police are investigating both attacks. Meantime, another threat against Maine GOP Senator Susan Collins, who of course cast the key vote for Justice Brett Kavanaugh. This time, a letter was sent to Collins' home, addressed to her husband, claiming it contained the deadly poison ricin. Parts of Collins' home and her dog are now in quarantine while a crime lab checks out the letter. A GOP candidate running for Vermont state legislator also got a threatening letter, reminiscent of a mystery novel. The letter to Desiree Morin was made up of words pulled out of printed material to spell, quoting here, we are hunting you. My comrades will kill you and the Constitution. Socialism, socialism is here. Open season for Republican death in Vermont. Morin says her platform of low taxes and small government apparently makes socialists want to kill her. Finally, it's gloves off in the Nevada governor's race, a Democratic operative for a group funded by George Soros is in jail tonight after allegedly assaulting the female campaign manager of the GOP candidate. Kristen Davidson says the attack left her traumatized and horrified. Not a mob. They're not a mob. Oh, wait a minute. Charles Blow. Sure. Call me part of the mob. Well, count me among the mob, and that means people who stand in opposition to Trump's degradation of the country in all ways. And the mob stand up for women and stands up for national, stands up to the National Rifle Association. I want in. The mob hates corruption and loves to increase diversity in this country. Then it's it for me. Yeah. Goes on about the border, everything. Then you got Antifa. No mob. There's no mob. Man who told 9/11 window. Her husband should fucking rotten grave get small taste of justice. Yeah, you want? They're not a mob. Why are you trying to block me? I'm fucking trying to walk here. I obey traffic signals. You're a fucking snarky little fucking idiot. Shut the fuck up. Try something, bitch. I'm not. I'm not gonna punch you. I'm not like your husband. I'm not gonna punch you. I'm not like your boyfriend or your top boyfriend who's going to fucking knock you out, so don't worry. My husband died in 9-11. Good for him. Good. Good. Those NYPD were a bunch of fucking fucking sodomizing immigrants with their bully sticks. So yeah, your fucking, your husband probably fucking... Not a mob. That's okay to say that to people. Self-Enhancement Inc. publicly reacted to the news of their employees' action. They put out, Steve Wilson is no longer employee of SEI. His behavior does not represent the values of organization or the high expectations that we have for our employees. Lost his job. Yeah. But Joe Scarborough, a leader on the left now. The unrelenting hatred churned up by Donald Trump for the two years following 2016 is dangerous. A Washington Post columnist is dead and progressive icons are targets of bombs that we'll talk later about. Um, yeah, Not a mob. Not a mob. I have no proof that Trump had anything to do with the Washington Post guy getting killed. But, you know, Trump's the reason why he can't get a good burger at Burger King. Not a mob. Just stop it with the mob. Mean-spirited Halloween display depicts Trump as a cackling devil, a very Trump Halloween part deux. According to CBS Local, the Halloween display titled A Very Trump Halloween Part Duh 
was created by Almada resident Daniel Balsam in an effort to spark a conversation by satires not only Trump administration, but Republicans like Ted Cruz. The intricate and detailed display included appears to be an immigrant child in a cage, tombstones for departed White House staff members, characters and members of the Trump administration, and other satir- satiric, satirical elements, the report says. Another display features a screaming scarecrow labeled as Ted Cruz sitting next to sign, castigating the Texas senator... The most punchable face in America. Hmm. Not a mob. And Alameda Man's elaborate Halloween display is the talk of his neighborhood. There are skeletons and spiders, as you might expect, but with a clear political theme thrown in. Nightbeat's Andrea Nakano joins us with a very, very Trump Halloween. Andrea? Yeah, Liz, if you're walking by these Halloween decorations, it can be pretty scary. This one is supposed to be Senator Ted Cruz. He's supposed to be the most punchable face in America. The most controversial one, though, might be this one. It's a baby in a cage symbolizing the separation of families under President Trump's immigration policy. Now, some may say that this is a disrespect to the office of the presidency, but the man who created it, this just wanted to take a stand. Come with me, my child, into the heart of darkness itself. <laughs> it's a spectacular Halloween display. But it's one the creator says has a frightening political message. The administration is basically the scariest monsters we can think of, so that's why we do the Halloween display like this. For Daniel Balsam and his wife, this is a very, very Halloween... Part duh. We were hoping he'd be impeached between years one and two, um, but the material just keeps on coming. For the most part, <laughs> the material has his neighbors chuckling. Funny, but sad and true. <laughs> I'm glad that he's decided to use his voice to kind of state his opinion, to share how he feels. Even kids are getting a kick out of these Halloween decorations. The spiders are a big hit, but so is the star of this elaborate attraction. Why do you like Donald Trump? Not the real one. He just dressed up. The display has grown compared to last year, and Daniel fears it will get even bigger next year. It, it could be worse. I don't know if we've hit bottom. And as much as those strolling through the neighborhood are enjoying the decorations, they won't be too sad to see this go. I would prefer this nightmare to be over. Like, soon. November is not too soon. On Halloween, the older kids will get one of these instead of candy. It is a degree from Trump University. It happens to be a BS degree, which says here, it been suckered, and it's signed off by Donald Trump, president of Trump University, and as Baslam wrote, commander in cheese. Reporting live in Alameda, Andrea Nakano on the Night Beat. You shut your mouth hole right now. They're not a mob. No. Not at all. Okay. Maybe they're just... Maybe they're just real patriots that do the following. Another, it's the last weekend campaign from uh, celebrities to tell you if you don't vote, we're all going to die. And Hillary Clinton getting introduced as the real 
president. Can I get your attention, please? The time is now. This is the last weekend to save our democracy. The House of Representatives represents our communities and our neighborhoods. That's you. The swing districts are the competitive races where the House will be won or lost. We can't just win in these big cities. We have to win where it counts. Even if you live in a deep blue district, there is a race near you where you can make a difference. The midterm elections this year are really important. It's up to me and up to us to do everything we can do. The last weekend before midterm elections is our last chance to fight for fairness, equality, and inclusion. This is the last weekend to give it our all to do everything we can to take back our government our government our government this isn't just about winning an election this is about saving our democracy salvar nuestra democracia it's all hands on deck time our democracy works best when more people participate and you are the people the most effective way to make sure that voters turn out is actually talking to them face to face or on the phone in the days leading up to an election are you ready to do more this year than just vote we need you to knock on doors to pick up the phone and call voters get out in your communities go door to door volunteer there's so much at stake on the last weekend before the midterm i'm going to be canvassing door knocking making calls to voters in my home state of wisconsin my beautiful home state of ohio i'll be taking my kids to staten island i'll be going to my parents house in miami we will work together doing whatever we can i'll be in my closest swing district from morning till night and I'm going to be dragging a few friends with me. I'll be volunteering my time on the last weekend. Where will you be? Don't, Don't just vote this year. Volunteer. 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 We're counting on you. When we work together, we win. Ganamos. Find your closest swing district. Let's take back the house. It's the most fun you can have while saving our democracy. This evening our program includes some extraordinary people. First on my right is Gwen Barn mother of the late Eric Garner, and her fist stop today. Wow. Second, who needs no introduction, is former secretary and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. <laughs> the real president. <laughs> <laughs> who I might add has a side career as a very successful author as well. Finally, we have Sadiqa Reynolds, who is a former judge, an attorney, and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. When, let me start with a question. And conservatives were bad with Obama. We were a bunch of racists. I mean, I played the Hillary soundbite because that pretty much sums it up. They, they will not accept the will of the other part of the country. They have spent two years telling everybody from the other part of the country we're all deplorables. I, I just don't understand. I just don't understand how this is acceptable. So... Today, we're not going to do a normal podcast. We're going to do some stats and news and social media nuggets, but we're just going to do little vignettes. And I have not picked on this guy in a while. So we're going to start off with Jim Acosta, a leading reason, CNN, but him specifically, on why we have so much mob tactics out of the left. Don't worry, we're going to get to the bombing. I'm going to talk about the bomb 
not condoning the bombing or the fake bombs sent to people that weren't real bombs or the thumb drive sent to a certain governor of New York who played it like it was a bomb but already knew it wasn't a bomb. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I'm not going to, we're going to get to that. But before we get there, some more angst over our president didn't get elected. So, Jim, Jim, I have to ask you about that comment the president made about Congressman Greg Gianforte's body slamming skills. I mean, that was really in remarkably poor taste with the apparent murder uh, of the journalists uh, in the Middle East. That's right, Don. I mean, obviously right now the whole world is demanding answers from the Saudi government to explain exactly what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, it sounds like he was uh, brutally murdered uh, in the most gruesome uh, possible fashion. And here you had the president at one point during the speech, he was praising Greg Gianforte, the Montana congressman, uh, who body slammed Ben Jacobs uh, with the Guardian newspaper. So not just once, but twice tonight, the president was making jokes about assaulting reporters uh, while the whole world is demanding answers about the murder of a journalist uh, who uh, died in, in the most gruesome and just vicious way possible. And Don, also we should point out the president time and again was going after Democrats, accusing them of being a part of a mob, of being part of an angry mob. I have to tell you, Don, when the president made that joke about Greg Gianforte assaulting Ben Jacobs, I looked over to the crowd. There was one gentleman, a Trump supporter in the crowd, who was doing pro wrestling moves, doing body slam type gestures in the crowd. So the crowd was obviously eating this stuff up and people wonder whether or not there's a cause and effect, whether or not the president's rhetoric, uh, you know, plants seeds of violence in his, in his own supporters, in his own crowds. I think it was pretty evident there that, uh, that the crowd was uh, loving every minute of this when the president was talking about assaulting, joking about assaulting reporters at this rally tonight. Uh, an embarrassing performance tonight by the president with those jokes and people cheering him on. Sad. No proof that he had anything to do with anything, which he didn't. Anybody with a common sense knows that. But this guy, little sniveling little bitch, just went on and on. The scene of Missoula. Tonight, Trump campaign. White House turned up the music so loud the press rise were vibrating. Nearly impossible to do live TV. I suppose the White House loves those kinds of shenanigans. But I wonder if this if it's a security concern for the U.S. Secret Service or local law enforcement. They can't hear either. How about the loud technics, technicians at the Trump rally in Montana were playing the music after the event. They turned it up right before our live shot with CNN tonight. Find someone who loves you like Jim Acosta loves Jim Acosta is the byline on the article that I found that's with. I mean, I, I what? What? The music. You criticize and blame him for everything because you don't like him. And now you're bitching about music. But this is Jim Acosta, CNN Chief White House Correspondent Jim Acosta, late Thursday night, sent a vulgar direct message on Twitter to a former pre- staffer in the President Trump's administration. Fuck you, Acosta wrote to Justin Caporell, the former Director of Operations for First Lady Melania Trump. Caporell shared the message, shared the message on Twitter and later allowed the Day of the Color News Foundation to log into his account and view the message. The vulgar message appeared to be the first time either Acosta or Caporell had messed each other, messaged each other on Twitter. Peter J. Hassan. This appears to be the tweet that provoked it. And it was about them making fun of the music. Peter J. Hassan. 
allowed me to log into his account and view the message. Here's a screenshot. Jim Acosta. Fuck you. Caporal just minutes before and mocked Acosta the tweet for complaining about the treatment by the press and it being too loud. All he wrote was, Dear Diary. Anybody who's a conservative goes on Twitter. That's what they say to everything because he just whines like a little bitch. Dear Diary is a popular way of mocking Acosta on Twitter. It references CNN's reporter Penchit for tweeting about himself. Jeff B. Whoever came up with the idea of putting this word Dear Diary in front of every Jim Acosta tweet is Twitter is genius. And it was comfortably smug. Dear Diary, Jim Acosta. We read, we read this on the show. As I attempted to ask questions at Roosevelt Room, the White House press aide shouted in my face. Do you remember? Yeah. He's a fucking little fucking bitch. So later, hey buddy, I thought you were an old friend from campaign days. I'm so sorry. Hope I didn't offend you. Have a good night and take care. Justin, back to him. Acosta, you owe me an apology. He tweeted him. CNN Public Relations Department did not immediately return any response to one of their key correspondents, White House Press Secretary, literally our White House Press fuckhead, telling somebody to fuck off. I'm sorry I offended you, Benny. I hope we still could be friends, bro. Benny, CNN Jim Acosta sends vulgar DM Twitter. He responds back to Costa, not offended. Just wondering why CNN's chief White House correspondent would send a message like this to an employee of the administration he covers. Bro. And I asked that same question. How? How? Is that acceptable? So then, they have another We Hate Trump live-in. They have all these conferences where all the reporters get together and bitch about Trump. And how America's going down the toilet. And how their job is so brave. They're all firefighters. And, you know, fuck goddamn armed forces. Those guys are a bunch of pussies. They just get shot at. We get words tweeted at us by Trump. It's just so hard. Jeremy Barr was there. And and I'm slurping. Sorry, I'm drinking coffee. I just got off the lake. Got two three-pound striped bass. Great day. But it was... 45 degrees and raining. It was just fucking miserable. Jeremy Barr was there. Jim Acosta references his fuck you DM on open comments at Citizens Conference. It's going okay. Occasionally you send a DM and everybody just overreacts. Oh, really? Let a Fox News guy dare to have said fuck you to anybody from Obamaco or Mrs. Obama. Let any of them do that. CNN would have a Chiron. It would be news. Another one from Jeremy Barr. Oliver Knox says that after President Trump debuted his Enemies of the People line, my kids burst into tears and asked me if I'm going to be put in prison. Everybody on Twitter, and you're a liar. You know, they didn't think that. Maggie Haberman says that Trump pits media outlets against each other now as he did during the New York tabloid days. He uses our process against us frequently and routinely. Jim Acosta says Trump is just dishonest and deceptive person. Costas continued the beef, saying Sean Spicer, for example, during his reign, couldn't even pronounce Bashar al-Assad. That's how much they were struggling with these types of questions. If you want to ask me what makes me depressed about my job is covering the rallies. 
Chad Felix Green. Journalists who view their role as influencing public opinion, fighting for justice, advocating for causes, or resisting, do nothing but spread hatred, fear through false, misleading headlines, absurdly biased reporting, and selectively edited for a narrative. We don't trust you. We don't trust you. So how'd the rest of the media cover it? Nobody did. Fox didn't cover this. But Politico did. Jason Schwartz. Right-wing sites are freaking out about a cost of privately DMing fuck you to someone. Seems much less concerned about the president cheering on violence against journalists. Daily Caller, Gateway Pundit. Well, the only people actually covered it. Nobody else did. PJ Media, according to Politico's Jason Schwartz, the real headline and reaction from right-wing sites to CNN's Acosta cursing on random Twitter user in an hour after a direct message. Hmm. Yeah. So when Jim Acosta sees it, this is, I swear to God, what he says. Is this that owning the libs thing? And RB Pundit says what I said. He just admitted he's a lib. Well, at least we got some honesty out of him. I mean, at least we got some honesty out of this fucking piece of shit. I, 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 once again, I could keep going on. He did a whole thing about the caravan and blah, blah, blah. And this is horrible. And it's not a national security problem, but it's in our stat of the day. 14,000 motherfuckers with people on the ground saying there's criminals in it. But remember, Blue Wave. It's all about the Blue Wave. They want to win so bad the little legals vote. We have it on record. I'll play it again today in our ads section. Here's Matt Lengazy, though. Donald Trump hopes that his fans will murder journalists so that he won't be criticized as much. The institutional conservative movement supports Trump and his aspiration to murder journalists for the same reasons they are lying about pre-existing conditions. They are aware their actual agenda does not withstand public scrutiny. Hmm. Yeah. But what does a real lib think? A real lib journalist. Media CEO urges drastic steps for new orgs, news orgs to hide their left-wing bias. Axios CEO Jim Vanderhey from Politico Days and on MSDNC has encouraged news organizations to ban their reporters from doing anything on social media in order to conceal their left-wing bias. Vanderhey said in an article on Sunday that he was asked by a student at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh what needs to have to restore faith and trust the media. Writing about what he thinks the media should do to regain trust from the public, Vandahai wrote, news organizations should ban the reporters from doing anything on social media, especially Twitter, beyond sharing stories. Snarks, jokes, and blatant opinion are showing your hand, and it always seems to be the left one. This makes it impossible to win back the skeptics. Yeah. He's spot on. When you see the reporting... And for all those that don't believe, believe I'm wearing a tinfoil hat, I'm just a fucking nut job. Literally, go look at your major news anchors' feeds. It's all left. They carry anti-Trump stories. They retweet anti-Trump stories. They say things anti-Trump. They say things about liberal causes. 
you don't see them say anything but bubble think. Everybody must think like me. That's the way it's got to be. Think like me. If you don't think like me, you're an ist. It's fucking pathetic. And I think this Vandy he dickweed, he's right. He's spot on. There's a bunch of shit. I mean, there's a blatant left-wing media bias that stands far beyond the echo chamber on Twitter. As studies have found that media's coverage of President Donald Trump has been overwhelmingly negative, with ABC News, CBS News, and NBC News giving the president 92% negative coverage and CNN 97%. The 3% are when CNN business talks about the economy. But they always put a but that could be a recession. But stock market could crash. But we could get hit by a meteor. They count that as the 3%. It's so blatantly obvious in our bomb coverage, which will happen after a music break. And we're doing Christmas. Sorry, I'm jumping the gun. Next week, all the radio stations come out on Sirius. My favorite. Holiday traditions. Sirius XM. Sirius XM. We'll be live in your car. So we're going to start up a little Christmas with the Christmas song. And then we'll go into bomb. This would never have happened under a Brock Hussein Obama. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from 1 to 92 Although it's been said Many times, many ways Merry Christmas to
And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways Merry Christmas to Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Uh, there's no need, there's no reason to assume motives, to assume anything at this point. But we do know what all of these targets have in common. These are all targets uh, that have been criticized mercilessly by right-wing outlets, uh, by fringe groups on the Internet, and, and by some right-wing commentators. And already there's this awful rush to try to claim it's a false flag operation. Figures like Rush Limbaugh, who have a lot of power, who have a lot of influence, who have a lot of fans, are out there saying awful things. Uh, but as you said, it's a matter of leadership presidential leadership. And I think it is worth noting uh, that as after five and a half hours, our colleagues are allowed back into the building here. Uh, the president of CNN, Jeff Zucker, has just come out with a pretty strong statement about the issue of presidential leadership and about the president's comments early in the afternoon, which which may have left a lot to be desired. Uh, so Zucker saying this needs to be a wake up call to the White House, uh, not just about attacks against CNN, not just about rhetoric against this network, but against the media writ large. Because as you mentioned earlier, John Brennan happens to be an NBC commentator. This could have happened at NBC today or CBS or other networks. Thankfully, it did not. There's no indication of other suspicious packages at other media companies. Uh, but this is it has to be a wake-up call. And, and Zucker communicating that through right. a statement just now. There's still somebody walking by saying, Cuomo, communist, CNN, communist. Where do you think he got that? Where do you think that language came from? Nobody ever said that to me pre-Trump. So there is something about the reality that the talk creates action. Now, for the president, He's got a great opportunity tonight. He's having another rally. Another rally, right. And right. he said that we need civility. We only know what he shows, okay? He's the leader. Mm. Tone comes from the top very often. What will he do tonight and what will it mean? Because you can say CNN was targeted because of what it does. But if that's true, then there should be a lot of other people targeted because there is a fascination in the media now with exaggeration. And I cannot tell you how often fringe outlets take, well, you I can tell because you cover it and you know it better than everybody, but the idea of lying, right, twisting what is said to make you an inimical factor in American society. It's not just you're wrong. It's not just you're inaccurate. It's you're a bad person. You're not American. And there are a lot of these outlets that do that. And yeah. they are almost all exclusively on the right and the far right fringe. That's something that you have to assess at this point if you want to take a look objectively and why are things as hot as they are? Right. The issue is dehumanizing other people because you think they're on a different side than you. Uh, it is one thing to criticize coverage, to complain about bias. It's another thing to suggest that a figure is evil or a network is evil uh, because you don't agree with what they do. Just one more point to make about that. Oftentimes at these rallies, you hear chants of CNN sucks, chants of fake news, chants of lock her up about Hillary Clinton. Every time that happens, he could tamp it down or he could cause it to get louder. Right. And oftentimes he wants it to get louder. 
every day our political leaders, not just President Trump, who we're not blaming, obviously, we're not talking about blaming an individual other than the perpetrator, but every day political leaders can either make things better or worse. They can make things hotter or cooler. There's no and question And we haven't seen anyone it. making it cooler lately. Yeah, that's right off the bat, on the sidewalk, because they got evacuated. Momo Seltzer and on CNN just said, basically, we don't know any motives, so people should be careful, and then proceeded to launch into a diatribe of how the recipients have all been targets of the horrible right-wing rhetoric. And now he and Cuomo are going on about how Trump's rhetoric against CNN caused this whole thing. Brian Seltzer. There's a lot we don't know about these packages, but we do know that what all the targets had in common. They have all been criticized mercilessly by right-wing outlets. Now, my plan was to wait to the end to talk about facts, but here's the fact they don't want to tell you, and if you just casually read this like my wife did, CNN did not get bombed. Brennan was sent a suspicious package. The package was some Jim Bob looking fucking thing that anybody on the internet who's ever seen a bomb or if you've ever been around IEDs, if you know anything about explosives, this was just made to look like basically the GIF with a round bomb with a fuse on it that says bomb on it. It wasn't towards CNN. It was towards Obama administration. It's probably a right-wing person, or as a lot of people, including Rush Limbaugh and a couple other people, think it's a false flag. Who the fuck knows? They need some momentum. They need to flip the script on we're the mob because they saw the polls working and the conservative base was getting motivated because of the mobs attacking all these people in restaurants and playgrounds and bathrooms and in the pew at church. It could be. But it wasn't towards the media. It was towards Obama administration, who Brennan was a part of. And now Brennan works at CNN. They probably can't get Brennan's address, but they can get CNN's. But the rest of the media, they played it just like them. ABC and NBC blame conservatives. MSD, MSDNC literally brings on Hillary aid. CNN brings on Chris's dad, who played a game on everybody about a thumb drive and a letter and a package that now, oh, it's got to be a bomb. He went out and did a press conference and talked about those horrible right-wing people when it was a fucking thumb drive. I don't think a thumb drive is going to blow up, dickhead. It was probably some dirt from some dirty outlet that you use to get stuff on your opponents. Here's the media. Philippe Reines joins me now as well. Philippe is a deputy assistant secretary, former deputy assistant secretary of state under uh, Hillary Clinton. And Philippe, we know that the secretary is in Florida right now for some some pre-planned events, some fundraising events. Um, and, and we don't want to, to jump the gun too much here. We don't want to get too far out in front of our skis. But we do know um, that we are, shall we say, in a climate now. Uh, where there are often um, attacks made on uh, the media, the press, journalists, um, and and we know that there are um, attacks that are often made on George Soros and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Uh, two weeks before these midterms, uh, Philippe, does it seem like does it seem like someone might be trying to send a message here? Well, look, obviously, someone who sends bombs in the mail or in any way 
delivers or tries to hurt people uh, isn't a sane or good person. So don't want to ascribe to them any kind of higher political strategy of affecting midterms. But I think your larger point is correct in that, you know, irrespective of what this person's political leanings or motivations are, we are living in an atmosphere where hate and violence have been not only uh, incited, but condoned by Donald Trump. And look, you know, this could be the most liberal person in America who has some problem with these four uh, individuals and institutions. It doesn't really matter. Excuse me, there are a lot of people who are living on the edge of sanity in general. I don't mean that to be uh, facetious. And when we, when uh, people in authority kind of lift the guardrails from that, um, people are going to act out. And there is no human being more responsible for the climate we're in than Donald Trump. Today is the 643rd day he has been in an office. I don't think he has uttered a single word on any of those days that in any way condemns violence or tells people to dial it down. He thrives on it. He requires it. He cannot succeed without hate and anger. He, for him to say everyone should dial it back would basically be him uh, acknowledging and uh, raising a white flag, and it's absolutely horrible. So let's bring in Cecilia Vega. She's live at the White House. And Cecilia, we heard the president obviously call for unity today, calling the pipe bombs abhorrent. But it's going to lead to questions about the rhetoric, as I mentioned, we've been hearing in the country for some time now. And David, and the White House is already facing those questions here tonight. And again, that is because of what happened today. All of the targets are people that the president regularly attacks himself. Now, there is discussion among some sources about whether he might want to tone it down in the wake of what happened today. But all of the consensus says that no one speaks for Donald Trump except Donald Trump himself. The question now, with less than two weeks to go in these midterms, will he take his own advice and heed this call for unity? Tonight, while the FBI hunts down whoever sent these bombs and their motives are remain unknown no matter who sent them there are growing calls to turn down the heated political rhetoric before someone gets hurt the head of cnn jeff zucker blasting the white house and the president late today while there are no answers yet on what led to today's incidents president trump has the biggest megaphone and there are growing questions about how he is using it cnn worldwide president jeff zucker tonight saying there is a total and complete lack of understanding at the white house about the seriousness of their continued attacks on the media words matter anger now spreading in all directions we have breaking news on a nationwide search for a serial bomber a domestic terrorist someone who wanted to perhaps kill or at least silence or at least scare a number of people with one thing in common as the washington post puts it targets of Trump's words become targets of bombs. This is political terrorism. This is American terrorism. This is red versus blue terrorism. I didn't hear this much angst when a guy shot up a baseball game or the GOP attacks. But double standards, Ness rushed to cover bomb at Soros' house, ignored GOP attacks. They actually covered, this was uh, ABC, David Muir, the FBI on the scene north of New York City after a live bomb was left in the mailbox of a philanthropist who funds Democratic causes and is a frequent target of criticism from the president. As they hunt for the suspects, federal investigators are reviewing surveillance video, figuring video to figure out who dropped that package. Soros, who donates to liberal causes, has been a target of conservatives. They all went down, jumped on it. 
But at least they admitted, I mean, at least they admitted that he is a Democrat. Anytime you said Soros before, they're, oh, no, Koch brothers. Koch brothers. So they don't have that this midterm because the Koch brothers don't like Trump. So you can't use Koch brothers every 2.36 seconds on fucking TV. Hollywood and media call Trump's base terrorist over package sent to Clinton's and Obama. Alyssa Milano, Bette Midler, and other celebs said the divisiveness being sowed by President Donald Trump was to blame after suspicious packages were sent to Obama's, Clinton, and CNN. What happening is all the hate and divisiveness being sowed by the person in the White House and his surrogates is going to be head to coming to a head of people in mortal danger, the 70-year-old actress tweeted. There will be blood on their hands. I heard Mr. Trump say that this kind of violent acts have no place in America. I want to believe it, but I just can't. Rob Reiner, Donald Trump tells his cult followers, oh my God, Hopi Changey, person calling somebody a cult. Okay. Protesters are paid for by Soros. Hillary Clinton should be locked up. John Brennan should lose his clearance. CNN is the enemy of the people and blames Obama for everything. Their lives were all threatened. You do the math. Vote. George Takaki. It's important that we do not lash out in partisan anger, which is what the bomber wants, but to come together and by partisan condemnation of violence. Hmm. Wow. Mia Farrow, Josh Gad, Patricia, uh, Patricia Arquette, Dan Pfeiffer, Michael Ian Black, a journalist was killed in dismembered a couple weeks ago. Why would this change anything? Uh, it's horrible. When we do, it's okay. They got so fired up, the Twitter came with them. Hashtag Mega Bomber. Twitter left as assumed motive. Give Bomber sender an anti-Trump nickname. Authorities haven't revealed the motive of the suspect, or even found the suspect, or even know who the fuck it was, who appeared to have sent six separate explosive devices to prominent Democrats, nor do they have a suspect or person of interest in custody, but left us on Twitter, came up with hashtag Megabomber, which was trending. Woohoo! Best cow, because person of Megabomber, pass it on, then vote. We're calling it, pass it on, vote. Use it. Equate this way as absolutely should be. And vote. Mike Joliet. Where was the mega bomber radicalized? I'm guessing Fox News. Kim. Not saying mega bomber is a disgruntled white guy from Red State, but did he possibly attend one of those 375 nationalist pip rallies? Lisa Bloom. As we learned about the mega bomber attacks on progressives today, remember, right-wing terrorism in the U.S. has long form been more deadly than radical and Muslim terror. So that, that's a whole thing now. Yeah. Twitter helped them. Didn't do it when the shooter didn't do it for Orlando. Didn't do it for any of those. Nope. Just didn't do it. And it's Fox's fault and Trump's fault. CNN, Chris Saliza, my CNN colleagues on and off air just keep doing the job, reporting and analyzing the facts. That's what we do. Hmm. I responded to him, well, you don't do the facts on Republicans getting the fuck kicked out of them. You don't care about that. Jeff Sucker. It was a total and complete lack of understanding of the White House, but the seriousness of the continued attacks of the media, the president, especially the White House press secretary, should understand their words matter. Thus far, they have shown no comprehension of that. Can you see why people literally 
hate the media, you're lying. You're just lying. Stephen Miller, nobody in the media was targeted. The package was addressed to Brennan, Ben Shapiro. So we're not just going to criticize immoral rhetoric. We're going to actually blame it for acts of violence without evidence of connection. That's some some news operation, CNN. Mm-hmm. Glenn Beck tweeted the pictures first time I saw it. It doesn't even look like a bomb. It's like a tube thing with some black tape on it. Who makes a bomb with the wires outside the pipe on the ends? Then the ISIS flag? These bombs were meant to be found. Who's trying to make us believe ISIS is trying to kill Americans with a pipe bomb? Happy everyone is safe. Navy veteran, Tom Sauer. Few observations of the former bomb disposal officer, me. Proper pipe domes don't have wires connected to both ends. That's stupid. You can find timers, remote control receivers, way smaller than whatever this white box is. A proper timer would be best be stored inside the pipe, making it fully encapsulated. That thing is just silly looking. Hoax devices are far more common than real ones, in which case we should ask ourselves who, what the motive of the bomber was and who benefits. Go ahead, think deeply and critically. Bottom line, whoever made that wanted to be painfully obvious to anyone and everyone that it's a bomb. It's nearly the same as a bundle of road flares wrapped together with an old-timey alarm clock. Ben Shapiro, if your first reaction to some evil person sending bombs to a variety of politicians on one side of the aisle is false flag, you are officially deranged. And he started attacking a bunch of people. But listen to the list. Maxine Waters got a suspicious package. Uh, Governor Cuomo got a suspicious packer. Soros, Soros, Hillary, Obama, Brennan, not CNN, and Robert De Niro. So Limbaugh asked it. And I got to admit, I don't agree with Limbaugh. I don't agree at all. But why would somebody on the right do this? Right now, the momentum is on the right side because the left keeps beating fucking people up. So why would somebody on the right do it? And if you're going to do pipe bombs, you're going to do real bombs, why would you make some fake-ass shit like that? If nothing but to get it in the news. And not have somebody really get in trouble because it's not real. Whole article, one hour after they discovered the package... Bomb squads had found out that it was a thumb drive and a letter to Cuomo. But that soundbite you heard happened an hour and a half later. They wanted to politicize this. Ali Valishi. Three senior law enforcement officials tell NBC the return address name on the suspicious package found at Clinton, Obama, and source address belonged to DNC official Debbie Wasserman Schultz. That's the return address. The whole thing's fucking hokey. But by the end of the day, CNN attacks Martha McCallum because somebody said it and she goes, interesting. She didn't say no. She said interesting. But let's look at CNN's history. There are 19 examples of CNN either promoted unsubstantiated conspiracy theories on the network, flat out lied, or allowed guests to promoted unsubstantiated conspiracy theories on their network without offending any, offering any pushback. 
Brian Seltzer suggests Fox News manufactured a crisis of the U.S.-Mexican border. He himself did it. CNN analysts suggest right-wing extremists could be behind Boston bombing. It was Allah lovers. Berkeley professor Robert Reich suggests Berkeley riots were a false flag on the TV. CNN analysts suggest Manchester attack could have been a false flag by right-wing extremists. The list goes on and on and on where CNN let people get on the TV and say false flag. There were people on MSDNC who said the baseball guy wasn't a real Democrat. And then they just went back to, okay, let's just stick to our, our party lines that were handed to us by the DNC, or we handed the DNC probably, or CNN handed it out to everybody. Uh, this is still Trump's fault. Trump and his rhetoric, we got to fix the rhetoric. The right-wing rhetoric is terrible. Blah, 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 blah. This was so fake. It was manipulated by CNN so much that by the end of the day, Lemon and Cuomo basically locked lips and kissed each other after one more tirade. Gusting testament for how he leads this country and the words that come out of his Look, mouth. I can't defend it. It was a failure. And, yeah. you know, some people will watch this today. Nobody was hurt. I called it a good day, right? Because nobody got hurt. Thank God. And they'll say, oh, you guys are over-dramatizing it. Here's what no. you don't know. Don and I have spent so many years going around looking at the remains of people who have died in explosives like this, in situations like that. I've seen it all over the world. I've seen it with things that were less impressive than this, and I've seen it with more impressive. You never know. The potential is always there if somebody is willing to try to do something. That's why they're chasing so hard to find out who this was. And at best, it was someone who wanted us to know, I can reach out and touch you if I want to. And I can do you ugly if I want to. I don't know how that's not a moment that doesn't just defend, you know, Sarah Sanders responded to Jeff Zucker's statement. Jeff Zucker's the president of the Sarah, sit down. Have a so seat, she's please. the press secretary. She says, the president said that no act of violence like this should be tolerated. And then you call him out instead of calling for unity. How dare you do that? You know, look, all of you guys have to make your own lot. I talk to you guys about this in the White House on a regular basis. What you ignore, what you empower, and you are a part of the same message. You've got to make a choice. And if you're going to call out Jeff Zucker for what he said, when your president was up at a rally today and he didn't say any of the things he needed to say, when you wrote the words for him, that's on you too. Yeah. I don't want I to take up all your no, time. No, that's all right. I, lo- I love talking to you. Again, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad Jeff Zucker's here. I'm glad Jeff said what he said. I'm glad Bob, the security guy, said. I'm glad Jackie's here. I'm glad Brenda's here. I'm so happy that you guys are here because this is life and death. And all of the, all the folks who are around here, Kevin, all of you guys, I'm so glad that you're here and alive today because we could have been mourning you guys. Thank God and we're not. I think the people at home and especially the people who are listening and watching at the White House, do your jobs. Do better. And take the grace and take the opportunity to be better. I love Thank you, you, brother. Love have you. a good night and soon. a good show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Be careful. Okay, so here we go. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. Today, as everyone knows... The entire time they're lying. They're just lying. And they know they're lying. CNN was not the target. Brennan was. And they wonder why their ratings are so bad, even with liberals. You manufacture a whole day on a sidewalk because the evil Donald Trump and his followers tried to bomb you. You know it's a lie. Then you attack 
Sarah Sanders and Trump because they say this is they they say the party line what what Obama used to say about things like this just a flat this is not what we are blah 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 we don't believe you you're a liar you're at fault yeah that's what they did it's a fucking joke I've never said false flag in my life this one doesn't make sense. They might manufacture some right-wing guy or try to twist in the media that he is right-wing. This, to me, looks like the whole thing, since the bombs weren't real, was just made up. Get something in the news. Make the right look like the deranged people, because for two fucking years, we're the deranged people. We're about to go to our campaign ads. We're Democrats are always saying, I'm not a crazy liberal. There are billboards out there. Crazy Maxine Waters. They need something to twist it back because their internal polling is showing people are staring at the left like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, Trump's bad. His Twitter account's embarrassing. But goddamn. Four of you have said attack people. The media has said everything is Trump's fault. Don't you remember fucking Bush? That's how Bush got elected again. You people went overboard. So, yeah. Let's get into our campaign ads. Majority Ford, folks. I did some research. It ain't pretty. North Dakota Senator Heidi Heitkamp is apologizing for a campaign ad that publicly identified sexual assault survivors without their permission and wrongly named others. The Democrat facing a tough re-election fight ran the newspaper ad while trying to explain to voters why she opposed Justice Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. Ed O'Keefe is on Capitol Hill. Ed, good morning. Good morning, John. At least 22 of the women say they didn't give their consent to be involved in this, and they're threatening legal action, saying that Heitkamp's campaign may have actually violated state privacy laws. The ad ran in some North Dakota newspapers over the weekend. It it was addressed as an open letter to Heitkamp's Republican opponent, Kevin Kramer. It read, We're here to let you know that we have all suffered from domestic violence, sexual assault, or rape, and that, yes, we expect somebody to believe us when we say it. In a statement, the women said Heitkamp's political agenda has interfered with or downright ruined our lives. In some cases, the women said they had to reassure family they've never been assaulted or raped. Tough people do not identify with the Me Too movement. Joining us now, one of the women named in that ad, Lexi Zarella, is with us. Lexi, appreciate you taking the time to join us there. We just heard from Senator Heitkamp who said, all I can do is say, I'm sorry. I want to know what I can do to fix this. Has she said that personally to you, that she's sorry? Um, no, she has not. You were told, though, as I understand it, that she would be reaching out. Uh, yep, I was told that um, she was going to reach out to every one of the women that was, um, you know, put in this without our consent. Uh, but she has yet to reach out to me. She said she also wants to know what she can do to fix this. Is there something in your mind that um, she could do? Uh, you know, the, the damage has kind of already been done. Um, you know, the names that didn't want to be put out there are already out there for the world to see, and uh, you can't really retract that. Uh, the damage is done. When did you first realize that your name was out there? 
a friend reached out to me and just mentioned that my name was written in an article. And uh, at first I didn't know what she was talking about, and I thought maybe it was a scam. Um, and then she she found the article for me uh, and sent it to me personally. What was your reaction? You know, um, at first I was terrified. I, I thought, you know, how could this happen? How could something like my name be put out there publicly um, when when that wasn't, you know, that wasn't my choice? <clears throat> um, and I was very public uh, or very private about um, about the things that had happened to me in the past. And, you know, I kind of walk around everyday life um, like uh, people when they look at me that they know what had happened to me. And um, from now on, when I walk around, um, I'll know that they know that's, you know, what has happened to me. And forever, for the rest of my life, I'll have to hold the 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 title as a survivor and that wasn't my choice i never i never made that choice in the first place but now i'm gonna have to live with it for the rest of my life i know that you have been in contact with some of the the other women uh, and that some of you have actually been talking about some sort of legal recourse here what does yes. justice look like for you in this situation uh i keep asking myself that over and over again um and i'm still kind of trying to figure that out i i you know it's only been a couple days since all of this kind of blew up and um i don't i don't know what she could do that would make it better um and uh, i know that's why a lot of the people in the situation are reaching out to seek legal counsel because of you know what she did was wrong and i think it's very reckless that you know um she didn't read the document and approve are all of our names being put out there? Um, you know, somebody messed up. Do you know how your name got attached? To that it was uh, my name was initially tagged in a in a status, I believe, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, you know, asking for support for this for this cause, and it said to contact a certain person to put your name out there and um, to give that approval. And on this on this status on Facebook, I never commented on it. I never reached out to the people asking for signatures and asking for names. Um, I never, I never reached out to them myself. Okay. So you never even reached out to them. You no. said you're a liberal. You had planned to vote for Heidi yes. Heitkamp. You will not vote for her yep. now. Do you still plan um, to no, vote? She, um, I do plan on voting. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to do my research and figure out, um, the, the right choice for, um, for the situation, but uh, as as of right now, um, she definitely lost my vote. Um, and I just want to let you know, I'm actually just hearing in my ear as you were answering that question, uh, Senator Heitkamp's office just letting us know here that they say they are going to be reaching out to each person individually. Again, this is what you were told yesterday, correct? Um, I believe it was act. I, I believe when it was um, when this was actually all found out about, and I don't think it was yesterday. I think it was actually the night before. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at a solid 36 hours, not quite 48, but it's been some time since you were told she would reach out again. She's telling us again she will reach out. How do you anticipate that conversation will go? What do you plan to say to her? What do you want to ask her? Um, you know, I, I would like to ask her, I guess, just how, how something so reckless and how careless could have could have happened. Um, I don't I still don't understand how it could have happened, uh, you know, how you can just take somebody else's name without their consent and plast it all over, all over wherever you want, just for what, you know, for political gain or, you know, I don't, I don't understand. Um, 
I don't understand the reason that, you know, people think it's right to just take your name and use it without you even knowing about it. You talked about how you were terrified when you first heard about this and that you feel, as you just told us, you're going to have to walk around now with this label and everyone will know that you were you are a survivor and you weren't ready to put that out there publicly. But you did decide exactly. to come on and to speak with us this morning. Why did you want to do, do that this morning? Because that, I imagine, is tough for you, too. It, yeah, it, um, it was a it was a big decision to make, and um, you know I, I had talked to to other people about it, and they you know they pretty much told me not to do it, and um, a, a lot of the a lot of the women in it too. But for me, um, I think that you know us as a whole as women, we we deserve a voice, and I deserve you know I think that we all deserve more than just a just a phone call apology saying that you know oh. Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't look at this document, and now your name is plastered for the world to see. You know, I I, re I actually researched my name on on Google, and everything pops up now. You know, for for the rest of my life, for jobs and um, school and anything that I anyone can look up my name you know, publicly and see um, that I, I'm a, I'm a survivor. So, Lexi, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Please let us know when you, if and when you hear from Senator. I start with that one because if a conservative had outed, had literally outed victims, oh my God, you would see it every night, but you don't even hear about this. She then broke FEC regulations and she pulled out an ad, sexual assault, serious crime, and one that too many North Dakota women have experienced an attempt to bring awareness to the issue and push back against dismissive comments towards sexual assault survivors by Kevin Kramer. Our campaign worked with victim advocates to identify women who would be willing to sign a letter or share their story. We recently discovered that several of the women's names were provided to us and not authorized a name to be shared because we didn't really check it. I deeply regret this mistake and blah, 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 blah. Rob Port, Heidi Heitkamp, running this newspaper and apologizing for adding sexual assault survivors. Meanwhile, some of these outed women say the senator hasn't spoke to them yet. And today, Say Anything blog Rob Port reports that the apology ad may actually violate FEC rules. Heidi Heitkamp ad apologizing previous ad outing sexual victims may have violated FEC rules. Campaign isn't responding to inquiries right now. But this is what I love about America. What I love about America, it doesn't matter. The media can ignore and push only liberals as she is. The polls are plunging for her. This was too far. She wanted to play the whole liberal fucking women must be believed shit. She pushed a bunch of people. She looked like an ass and her polls are going to hell, plus Project Veritas got this. She's going to be super liberal. High camp staff exposer and undercover video. Project Veritas released a new undercover video on Tuesday night showing vulnerable Senator Heidi Heitkamp's camp staff exposing her as being as far-left candidate while she has tried to portray herself as being centrist, saying when she gets elected, she's going to be super liberal. Jesse Overton, Heitkamp's digital director, described a bait-and-switch type of campaign. Heitkamp <laughs> employing, saying it's an election year for her. She's being careful about pissing people off, and it's funny. She said basically like after the election, if and when she gets reelected, she's going to be super liberal in North Dakota. They got it on video. She's probably said it in 
95 greets. But a lot of these are going viral. Eye-popping 4.5 billion is projected to pour into U.S. political advertising in 2018, but a few thousand bucks last spring may have been the best spent money of the entire midterm cycle. When working-class New Yorker and political newcomer Alex Alexandriaca blah, blah blah heard the offer by two socialist-leaning videographers to choose her introductory congressional campaign ad for ten thousand dollars, her cash-strapped campaign did it. It went viral, and she looks great. Long article. It's by the left. It's just all how Democrats are doing so good. We're going to get into the Democrat majority forward. I kept that at the end, all right? But, and, and the reason why I'm covering it is not because I want to uncover this big dark secret. Let's be, let's be honest. If you see an ad in conservative trust or people for a better conservative America or fucktrump.org, that's dark money, all right? That's not real groups. That's where that money gets funneled from Soros, a company, and probably the Koch brothers, and they make all these ads. But I have to cover the odd and just weird shit, all right? This lady, her name is Kristen Cinema, S-I-N-E-M-A. I'm saying it, Cinema. This... This is her, just like a year ago, talking about Arizona. And I wanted to make a larger impact and create lasting change for Arizona's women, seniors, veterans, families. And so I I ran for the state house and state senate in Arizona. Right. Actual camp caption. When she says Arizona, it looks like she smelled a fart. <laughs> But she's a damn. They're so arrogant. They think they're smarter than people. And people will vote for them because they're so fucking smart. They read books and shit. They read books and shit. Well, her opponent is a vet. And this is actually a political ad that this girl used during the Bush era. She was an anti-war protester. And she used this uh, Steve Benson. The ad that is going right now, not an ad, but a cartoon, uh, Shallow Attacks, McSally's in an airplane crashing, and Cinema has a stinger missile that says substance. Substance, on the end of it, shot her down. The bottom of the cartoon, Reason, not treason. Hmm. But the problem is this person, and I don't know the polls, I didn't check it out, who says a place sucks, the right is getting ads out, and they're getting internet ads with her actual emails. And I'd like to read you one, because it's in my wheelhouse. Meet at Patriot Square or Park at 3 p.m., then march to the downtown Civic Center Plaza where we'll protest Bush's well. Pretty much everything the man does is worthy of protest. If you can pick from the following, threatening unprovoked war on Iraq, then promising to back off if they agree to weapons inspection, then saying, oops, we didn't really mean that, we'll back off. Stealing all our civil liberties in the name of something called freedom. I wasn't using those liberties anyway. Creating an office of Homeland Security, then stripping employees of their workplace rights. 
working to destroy all natural land and forestry in the United States by oil drilling and old growth tree logging. Establish operation tips in which your mailman is rewarded for tattling on you and your neighbor. Paving a wide, clear path for corporate greed heads to steal our money and build a $15 million homes after getting caught. Putting arsenic in our water. Setting up secret tribunals to persecute innocent people for indefensive periods of time without notifying their families, pretending there's no such thing as global warming, stealing the election, crowning himself king of the world for life. Oh, wait, he's not taking over the world for another year. Other. Whatever your reason, join us. Tom and Tucson, if you guys vote that motherfucker in, you need to go down there. Whoa, dude. That's pretty scary. But yeah, there's stuff in Majority Ford against her enemy because they're doing everybody. They're just doing everybody. PA damn candidate who said fuck off at a synagogue said dogs are smarter than police officers. Literally told somebody to fuck off during a debate. That guy's running for office. Claire McCaskill. Fox News reporting that Senator Claire McCaskill's husband, Joseph Shepard, was accused of domestic violence by his ex-wife. Senator McCaskill's husband was accused of domestic violence for his ex-wife and his company one victim blamed a woman who sued for sexual misconduct and started a backdrop on the senator's message regarding sexual harassment. The list of things. He punched his ex-wife in her sore breast after a cancer operation, urinated on her, threatened that she'd be left with nothing, end up in low-income housing. Since McCaskill's been married to this winner, he's made millions. Yeah. But I read this email, or this news report from KRCG13 in Missouri, Senator Claskill files complaint to A.G. Josh Hawley's office advising the appointment of a special prosecutor to investigate possible felonies committed by Project Veritas. It was retweeted by a person who said, Translation, McCaskill tries to criminalize legitimate news gathering. And here is that news gathering from Project Veritas, which, once again, it's a it's an ad. Claire McCaskill is vying to keep her seat in the typically Republican-leaning state. It's like we have to we have to lie to get elected. Essentially. Essentially. Well, if we, if we elect enough Democrats, we'll get some gun safety stuff done. They won't let us vote on it. We've got 60 votes for a number of measures that would help with gun safety. But McConnell won't let them come to the floor. Well, like, like yeah. bomb stocks and ARs and high-capacity All of that. All of that. It's crazy. It's nuts. The NRA will be all in for my opponent. So um, another good reason for everybody to suit up and work hard because they are going to be all in for him. They'll spend millions of dollars on his race. They always spend millions of dollars against me. But if we have the kind of year I think we might have, I think we could actually be in a position that we could get votes on this stuff on the floor. And we'd get 60. McConnell knows it. He just doesn't want to put it on the floor because then it goes to the House and then it's awkward because all those House members are total NRA folks. So, so, so you would be on board with, with bump the bump stocks? Of course, of course. Bump stocks. Oh, I've voted for... Max. I've, I've voted for most of those things before. So for a ban? Oh, yeah. Great, oh, yeah. great. Oh, yeah. 
like I'm, I'm telling you, there's something going on, going on. Like because I got the same argument from this guy. She doesn't support a ban on semi-automatic firearms. And I'm like, I'm right, yeah, right? She, she does. does. Like you've heard her say that, like in your conversation with her, right? <laughs> like, two months ago, right? Yeah. I can tell them because she does support a semi-automatic firearm. Because I want to say something I shouldn't say. I think semi-automatic, like in a semi-automatic rifle ban. Okay. What, more so what she would support. I wish she would talk a little bit more about guns, dude. Yeah. Because she, I asked her while she was here, and she, she told me she supports an AR ban, and bump stock ban, and a high-capacity magazine ban. But I don't ever hear her say it. Because she has a bunch of Republican voters. Yeah. yeah. We don't want them to... They're not going to look into her. Like, they're just not. So. Yeah, that, that, that's that's probably not good. But that's, that's what it is. I mean, when we run down the list of liberals, this is why liberal, the media, which is all liberal, says stuff like, well, they're, they're, they're in a red state. They're going to do the right thing. They're in a red state. Or they excuse them, knowing that on certain things, they're not going to be able to vote the way they want to. You never see the left saying about their people, they're running as centrist so they can get elected, but then they're going to be liberal. But they always say that about conservatives. So McCaskill's literally closing article on a radio ad is this. She instructs voters to judge her on a record and not on which party she belongs to, adding that she's not one of those crazy Democrats, though she didn't list the crazy. CNN reports that McCaskill pushed a part of wider overture on part of her campaign, trying to convince voters that they shouldn't punish the longtime senator for the sins of her colleagues. In a new television released <coughs> television ad released Tuesday by McCaskill's campaign, featuring veterans who support McCaskill, one man says of his incumbent senator, you don't have to like her before pushing back on Republican lines of attack and praising her work in the Senate. The ad then targets Holly, recalling photos of the AG that appeared in October and showing him visiting the gym and grabbing a bottle of wine while technically on the clock. I don't always agree with Claire McCaskill, one man says, but she works hard fighting against those tariffs, doing all those town halls. Claire's not afraid to stand up against her own party, even though she's never done it, and her husband's a sexual assault ass clown. Okay. Hmm. Then Georgia, <clears throat> big thing this week, she's caught burning a Georgia flag, and it was all over the internet. It's like a big thing. I could give a fuck about that. This woman, what's her fucking name? Uh, Stacy Abrams. She's the one that gave us up the reason why they really want all these illegal alien, Indians. Or aliens, sorry, illegal aliens. But the thing of it is, the blue wave is African-American. It's white, it's Latino, it's Asian Pacific Islander. It is disabled. It is differently abled. It is LGBTQ. It is law enforcement. It is veterans. It is made up of those who've been told that they are not worthy of being here. It is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. Yeah, that's probably a big negatron, Batman, but she's African-American, so God knows what's going to happen. If you don't vote for her in Georgia, you're a fucking racist. So, that's going to be an interesting race. Brings us to Majority Ford. Where I live, 
Marsha Blackburn, who I don't like. I'm voting for her, but I don't like her as a soldier. I don't think she has a fucking clue what we anything that's happening to us. But <clears throat> in new attack ad, Democratic aligned group criticizes Marsha Blackburn over opioid law. There's articles on the Tennessee, and Tennessean is a flack of the USA Today. So was the Leaf Chronicle, the local paper that I got until USA Today took it over. They run this ad so many fucking times that it made me look up who the fuck is majority for. And I go to their YouTube channel, and they got 50 fucking ads. Multiples on the bad people, like Blackburn. And I, I'm going to play some. So we're going to play... Blackburn, who's Pablo Escobar, she's the reason why there's an opioid epidemic. A TV ad attacking Scott's health care record. Democrat group spending $2.7 million on him just alone. All right, just alone $2.7 million. So here are their two ads. Tennessee, one of the hardest hit by the opioid epidemic, and drug companies made it worse. But Congresswoman Blackburn helped pass special legislation to restrict law enforcement's ability to combat the opioid crisis and hold drug companies accountable. Why? Blackburn took over 800000 from drug company special interests. Her legislation was a boon to pharmaceutical distributors. Congresswoman Blackburn is what's wrong with Washington. Majority Forward is responsible for the content of this advertising. The person we send here should look out for those who live here. But as governor, Rick Scott vetoed nearly $200 million in health care funds. Slashing home health care for seniors and vaccinations for kids. Cutting doctors at rural hospitals and treatment for opioid addiction. Instead, Scott backed his party and gave tax cuts to corporations and the wealthy. People like him. So tell Rick Scott, stop cutting health care. And put Florida families first. Majority Forward is responsible for the content of this ad. I'm sure if you're listening in Florida, you hear that ad about a billion times. I ain't lying you. Blackburn's ad has played at least 20 times in a football game. I watch college football 20 times during one game. She's the opioid queen. It took about two weeks for some conservative pack to start running that Bredesen Literally got caught in sexual harassment case where he shredded paper and all this stuff. So Bredesen brought a couple of the ladies back who said she's a liar. And it's just like a five-minute block that you, you know, or whatever an ad is, where you have Blackburn's Pablo Escobar. Bredesen doesn't give a fuck about people being sexually harassed. And it ends with a rebuttal to the sexual harass. So the local, it's usually channel four or two or five, whatever. They're all liberal. But it's probably the money, because this is a Senate seat they want really bad, that was a conservative seat, but Corker's stepping down. So they're running so many fucking ads that I don't fucking care. By the end of it, if they really knew what was doing to the viewer, I think Bredesen's Pablo Escobar and Marsha Blackburn sexually harassed women and then shredded paper. I get it all confused because it just plays back to back to back. I, I want some like menopause or pecker pills or some of those weird drugs that you don't know why they're advertising it because I don't know what HER2 Simplex 7 breast cancer is, so I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but that ad... I don't remember the name of it, but it goes on. I'd rather have that fucking shit. But then they <coughs> they attack vets. Um, 
probably 10 out of 50 was attacking a vet. So what is the McSally because of the cinema chick? They're attacking her because she talks about her military career, even though it was okay for John Kerry, who was a war protester, to get up there and salute us at the DNC convention. That was fucking awesome. He was a real war hero. George Bush dodged it, remember? But now we're flipping it. And then somebody in Montana, he's a bastard too, because he was a vet and he talks about it. I don't brag about my military service, and I certainly don't expect special treatment. Martha McSally seems to think she can say whatever she wants as long as she shows a picture of herself in uniform. McSally has repeatedly made false claims against her opponent, and she's voted to allow insurance companies to deny health care to millions of Arizonans, including veterans. That's a betrayal. I know Martha McSally served, but she will never get this veteran's vote. Vote vets and majority forward are responsible for the content of this ad. I was a detachment commander in Vietnam. One in 10 Montanans is a veteran. Matt Rosendale takes care of veterans not at all. He's voted against home loans for veterans. He's voted against the Columbia Falls facility, and he voted against the new facility in Butte. That's his record. Matt Rosendale's a fraud. Vote vets and Majority Forward are responsible for the content of this ad. And then I've been sitting on this one for a while. I, I didn't know this was Majority Forward until I went to their website and realized it's Majority Forward. They did an actual co- campaign ad against Ted Cruz because he likes White Castle. A triple meat water burger liberal? What does that even mean, Ted? I mean, everybody I know in Texas likes Whataburger. Just as a consumer, I'm a big fan of eating White Castle burgers. I like their little burgers. I don't even know what that is. There's not a White Castle within 900 miles of Texas, Ted. Uh, maybe up in Canada, huh? But not in Texas. Political ad paid for by FTC PAC, not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Come on, Ted. I've never thought about that for a reason not to vote for somebody. I mean, I don't like White Castle. I don't like any of those things. You know, I just, I'm a fat guy. I want a big burger, not like teeny burgers. I got to eat like a pack of them motherfuckers to feel like I ate some. They're like Scooby snacks. But anyway, so then I look it up. Democrat super PAC aided by secret money. New nonprofit helping Senate majority PAC offset staff office and cost. A super PAC leading Democrat effort to retake the U.S. Senate is sharing resources with a new allied nonprofit group that will not have to reveal its donors. In a campaign finance disclosure report filed Friday, Senate majority PAC reported receiving more than 300000 and reimbursement for staff, office space, and other expenses during the second half of last year from a group called Majority Ford. In response to the questions from the Center for Public Integrity, Senate Majority PAC spokesman and Sharip Shah described Majority Ford as an allied organization which shares office space and shared staff. Majority Ford will be engaging in nonpartisan voter registration work, he said in the email. See, go back, IRS. Are you with me? You see what I'm talking about? This is a non-profit, but those are their ads. Does that ring a bell? They get away with it because it's under Obama, but conservative groups didn't because they're not supposed to be political over their non-profit? Hmm. The two groups share an address, blah, blah, blah. Also, 
is also general counsel for the campaign of Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, said Friday night he could not immediately comment. Shaw declined Friday evening to answer additional questions about who Majority 4 contributors are and whether the group had any staff or resources independent of the Senate Majority PAC or provide additional details about its voter registration work. Senate Majority PAC advertised itself as a transparent organization and as a super PAC, it files regular reports with the Federal Election Commission disclosing its donors. But this other one does not. It's dark money, it's illegal, and the left is doing it, but you don't see Trump stopping it. Because he's not a hypocrite. That didn't even make me angry. A, I'm not a Republican, but the point is, I expect it. Democrats will get on TV all day and talk about campaign finance reform and how we got to fix this shit and those dirty Koch brothers. But Soros and company have been doing this shit for fucking ever. And how the fuck Majority Ford got a 501c nonprofit exempt status, I don't know. But they're pumping hundreds of millions into advertisement. Go to their YouTube channel if you don't believe me. They are not nonpartisan. They are not a voter registration. They are a anti-Republican pack. That's what they are. Sure is. So when we get done with stats of the day, I'm going to play. In fact, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forward it. We'll, we'll play this as our um, lighter fare. Conservative Alley Stucky delivers perfect parody ad for Democrats. Fucking hilarious. We'll play it at the end. Let's go into stats. Um, and then we'll hit another music break and do our news and social media nuggets. Uh, stats of the day go like this. The Connors, Sands, Roseanne Baum, and week two of ratings dropped another 30%. So when you say the number one show, yeah, that's a fucking lie. Chick-fil-A are more popular than Starbucks with a surprising demographic. Yeah, and that is average age is 16, 36% of whom are employed part-time with roughly three-quarters reported an average household income of 56,000 teens. I thought that was pretty fucking interesting. Seriously, you wouldn't think, you think Starbucks would be their bomb, but no, Chick-fil-A. Poll, GOP voters most trust the military, police, and dams have other priorities. The Democrats use colleges and universities. They think they're more important. The military sucks ass. Yeah, makes sense. Report, 25% of millennials say they suffered from PTSD because of the 2016 election. It was 769 students uh, studying psychology at Arizona State University. 25%. Black and non-white Hispanic students scored higher on the assessment than their white classmates. For instance, gender, political affiliation, and religion all played even larger roles. Females scored about 45% higher than males on the assessment. And Democrats scored more than two and a half times higher than Republicans, the study said, for PTSD. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably not good. And they're probably going to get some more PTSD because Twitter put out a poll... The resistance, 
How will you be voting in the midterm election? Please retweet for a bigger sample. 56% said Republican. They then deleted it. That was a voter sampling of 50,500 people. Granted, it's the internet. It's not scientific, but yeah. Senate slipping away. House now up in the air as Republican enthusiasm grades. Uh, Nate Silver, who said Hillary had a 98% chance of winning, is still saying 71% to win it. But all the Associated Press and Turner polls are showing the Senate is no longer up for grabs. And it is a 3% spread general ballot Democrat over Republican, which is in the, you know, statistical dead heat. Senate's not going to flip. There's no fucking way they're going to flip the Senate. It's just not. There were more Democrats up than Republicans. So, uh, yeah. And our last little nugget, as I already precluded to it, 14,000 motherfuckers in this caravan. The Georgia candidates blue wave. 14,000. And I guarantee if you trace down their origin and how they got money to do it, you could trace it back to a Democrat donor. They're helping these people. They're helping them. They need it for the midterms. If they could get another horror at the border for the midterms, And if those people even show up in the next week, I just want to tell you, how, what are the odds of that? We've already proven on the show there are Democrat groups meeting these people and handing them voter registration information. It's in a packet. So, um, yeah. And with California already letting a lot of them vote local. You can guarantee there's going to be some dirty shit going on this election. So, let's have another Christmas song. And we're going into news, social media nuggets.
the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales! Yeah, he's in the military now! Three notes and then down! Don't hear those sounds as we go and dig this! Off we go into the wild blue yonder, climbing high into the sun! and be all you can be for it's an adventure for the few the proud the brave in military corner Tisha Steve, officials say that plane was about a minute away from the Sicily drop zone on Fort Bragg. And a miracle tonight. Everyone here counting their blessings. And all at once, I heard a big bang. It sounded like a bang. My granddaughter said, ooh, that was a car accident or something. It was an accident, just not involving a car. Instead, a three-ton Humvee just came crashing down from the sky. The Airborne Special Operations Test Directorate, which is stationed at Fort Bragg, they're testing the uh, a new heavy drop platform. And they are working with a C-17 jet aircraft uh, that's used for delivery of airborne personnel and uh, during airborne operations and equipment. And they were on their way into Sicily drop zone. Um, well, we don't know what happened, but uh, the platform went out early. 
and uh, the causes are all now under investigation. The next one, so. The crash happened shortly after 1 p.m. Fort Bragg officials bringing in a host of law enforcement, followed by a massive crane tasked with lifting the military vehicle from the mangled woods. The parachutes trapped in the trees were hauled away, and by 5 p.m., the scene had been cleared. Two good things happened, though. One, the delivery system worked as planned. The uh, three chutes opened up. Uh, everything came on down safely. Uh, the second thing, which is even better, is it landed in a rural area, uh, which means no personal property was damaged, and better yet, no private, uh, no individual was hurt. Uh, they couldn't come and go. In today's incident, a, a, a true rarity here, Fort Bragg gave me some stats. About 17,000 of these training exercises happen on Fort Bragg a year. So this would actually be the first crash that they've had of this nature. I will tell you that the NTSB, the safety board, is on their way in and will work with Fort Bragg to figure out what happened here. We're live in Cameron. I'm more that is a bad day. The drop zone safety officer, I don't care if it was a carp or not, because it probably was a carp with the Air Force, they're probably getting relieved. I did Pathfinder Ops for a little bit, just for battalion level. I wasn't on like a Pathfinder team. Um, but I went to that school, and that's a bad day. That's just a bad day. Wow. Never heard it, but it happened. Also, for the Army, just purchased a smart artillery shell. Here's what it can do. This thing is pretty, it's a bonus. It's a heat-seeking anti-tank system. Multiple mode center, detects and identifies target. It spins extra, extra long. It covers multiple wavelengths. It's a bunch of shit that I'm not even going to talk about on the show. But it's a no-shitter artillery piece. And um, it's from overseas, but they're going to outfit all the guns with it. So... Smart artillery. Uh, it's probably already here, and I just don't know about it, but that's another one. Then they're talking about changing the push-up technique for new fitness tests. They've done the dry runs and found uh, they're probably going to change how the hands have to be. Um, in a traditional PT test, I could do 50, and this one, 25. So it's way harder. But my favorite, going back to the joint fuck-up of the drop zone... Air Force stops ordering $1,280 coffee cups. I, what? The Air Force has pumped its brakes on the unit trying to order its famous $1,280 coffee cup until further notice. The move comes days after Senator Chuck Grassley received a response to his query on why the Air Force was spending that much on a so-called hot cup, which heats up liquids on a KC-10 aircraft. While I appreciate that the Air Force is working to find innovations that would help save taxpayers' dollars, it remains unclear why I cannot find a cheaper alternative than a $1,280 sippy fucking cup. Air Force Secretary Heather Wilson wrote grass in October 17th letter that she was right to be concerned about the high cost of spare parts. We'll explain that some of the contractors who supply the cups have gone out of business or don't still manufacture them. Amid media scrutiny, including Task and Purpose, who wrote this article, an Air Force spokesman on Tuesday told the Air Force Times that units trying to order hot cups through its supply system will see a message telling them, do not order until further notice. The Air Force has been working to adopt more widespread use of 3D printing, and it's 50 cents for a 3D printing. So, yeah, you probably should have thought that one out. That's like the fucking $500 or $1,000 toilet seats and all that crazy shit. You know, come on, folks. Get a fucking mug down at 7-Eleven. 
Suck it up, buttercup. Do our college crazy. Billionaire Democratic Tom Steyer was spotted on campus at Cal State University, Fullerton, attempting to register college students to vote. Unfortunately for him, he wasn't having much luck with students who told him voting just didn't interest them. Not the best result for $33 million pledge to engage young voters. In Texas, one political science professor allegedly decided a great way to encourage his students to get out and vote was to give them extra credit. Greg Abbott was the one to find out because the guy said, we should show up for Beto to paint Texas blue. Adrian Clark, I'm offering extra credit by students for voting beginning tomorrow. We must show up for Beto and paint Texas blue. Greg Abbott, Mar College professor, being looked into after questionable Facebook posts. A viewer sent KRIS6 News a screenshot of the Facebook post. Professor Adrian Clark had also recently changed his profile photo to one of him posing with Beto O'Rourke with Beto for Senate logo Overlay. Sounds like he had a vested interest. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, like Abbott said, people like this don't belong on the state payroll. Yeah, that, that's fucking horrible. The problem is, when I went through the remarks for this, um, Richard W. Jr., Waters Jr., excuse me. Way to go, Abbott. That's why I voted for you. Keep up the honest. It, keep it all honest. Huge problem today. Self-important professors teaching their opinion instead of curriculum. Agreed. My daughter's English professor is quite vocal about her political views and which politician she prefers. She should be teaching her how to write, not telling her to vote. Remember, class, a vote for Beto is a vote for the deep state corruption, as this person says. But um, they, they are looking at this guy like uh, it's Robert Kennedy. Um, it, the polls still aren't there. I don't think he's gonna win but this is our normal thing every week we talk about these stories and they just repeat themselves because there's another one 100% of SMU administrators and 98.8% of the faculty donate to vent dams $85,000 came from SMU Southern Methodist University wow Cornell study tackles dating app discrimination the researchers include two Cornell University professors suggest that romantic and sexual choices are produced of our cultural environment. They acknowledge, however, that it would be imprudent for designers to forbid Jewish users from trying to match with other Jews. But they're saying that it's discriminatory. The app is your ass. What do you want? I guess you're supposed to be doing what they tell you. I should want a gay person of color because I'm wrong for being a heterosexual white male. Hmm, okay. College scraps homecoming queen and king for general neutral titles. They're going to call it the Stony Brook Royals. It's Stony Brook University. The chief diversity officer, Lee Pistoy, commended the innovative change. Yeah. Which brings it into our Halloween stuff. You knew it was going to come. Gonzaga warns against potentially harmful cultural appropriation. Gonzaga University administrator and student leader cautioned the student body about cultural appropriation during Halloween in in-campus side, in-campus-wide email. The email mentions sexualized or culturally inappropriate costumes alongside vandalism and binge drinking when describing dangerous and damaging Halloween traditions. 
Halloween has also been known for more dangerous and damaging traditions like binge drinking, sexualized, or culturally inappropriate costumes and vandalism. Halloween has also been known for more dangerous... Oh, sorry, it's repeating itself. We urge our community to be aware of the potentially harmful impact and sensitive behavior can have on our fellow students, members of the Gazala community, and our Logan neighbors. One of these behaviors is cultural appropriation. The act of taking or using things that culturally is that not of your own. Especially without showing respect for the culture. If we go back and rewind the tape two years, that was the Yale young African American screaming at somebody because some motherfucker was at a party running around in an Indian headdress and they were crushed by it. Later on in the article, it says conversations about cultural preparation, the sexualization of Halloween costume could attend two courageous conversation events entitled My Culture is Not a Costume and the Sexualization of Halloween. Yeah. University of Washington Seattle student senators proposed a bill in spring 2018 that would task fraternities with prevention strategies for eliminating instances of cultural appropriation. It's the left, Kristen Powers, CNN. Dear white people who are upset that you can't dress up as another race or culture for Halloween, your feelings don't matter. The only feelings that matter are those who feel disrespected, mocked by you appropriating their culture for entertainment. Show some common decency. Which brings me to my great article, Progressive Pitchforks are out to destroy what ought to be a fun holiday. Halloween's almost here, and a costume for little girls prompted oh-so-sensitive and oh-so-politically-correct progressives to get all worked up over cultural appropriation, white privilege, and the oppression of minorities. With all the problems in the world, some folks are focusing on whether it's okay for girls who are not Polynesian to dress up like Moana, the Disney character. The Drake debate was sparked by Sashi Ferris, a mother who wrote on a blog raising race-conscious children that she would refuse to dress her white daughter as Moana for Halloween for fear of cultural appropriation and the power privilege carries by whiteness and about whiteness and standards of beauty. The New York Post, People, Red Book, and other websites quickly wrote about this burning issue of our times and calling on parents to use Halloween as an opportunity to teach your kids about the importance of cultural sensitivity. The Red Book also, also published in Cosmopolitan and admonished moms and dads if your kid wears a racist costume, you're kind of wearing it too. The message of the political correctness gone wild is clear. The Moana costume is racist and you are a bad parent if you allow your child to wear it. And Halloween outrage and hyperventilation isn't just for kids. It opens for all ages. Adult toddlers at American universities might be equally offended this season as well. So our nation's institution of higher learning are taking necessary precautions. Tufts University encourages students to report any inappropriate offensive costume. Violators could be subject to investigation by campus police and potentially face serious disciplinary action. The University of Texas issued a 29-point checklist about offensive Halloween costumes, and Princeton University Center for Equality and Cultural Understanding held a dialogue about why culture is not costume. What's next? Perhaps mandatory DNA testings to determine who is allowed to wear what Halloween costume. Remember last year? It was the second year of the show. And it was Black Panther. White kids could not wear Black Panther. There was pictures or cartoons of a young, poor black kid from the inner city 
who went to go buy the costume that his parents probably weren't going to buy because he was poor, just like my parents who didn't buy me shit. We had to make our costumes because that's what most poor people do. That's what my kids got, homemade shit. Supposedly, instead of getting food that week because that's what our parents spent the money on, they were going to go buy him the costume, but all the white kids bought the costume so he couldn't be Black Panther because we're all racist pieces of shit. Do we remember that? That was last year. Two years ago it was Yale. Last year it was Black Panther. Now it's fucking Moana. Get the fuck out of it. I got another article. I'm not going to read it. It's fucking guy making fun of the whole thing. And, uh, you know, just stop. Just fucking stop. Jesus Christ. What's the statement about freaking flattery? I mean, if a kid dresses up as an Indian princess or Black Panther, he's emulating another race. And isn't that what we're supposed to be training our kids? That there are no races? That everybody's just the same? Treat them all the same like you'd be wanted to be treated? Shouldn't they idolize Black Panther and Moana like they do fucking Batman and goddamn Little Mermaid? I mean, seriously, folks. You're fucking idiots. But another good one is uh, Juwadi tweeted this see it Sabo the artist gives Maxine Waters starring role in Halloween it's a picture of Maxine Waters as Michael Myers without the face mask on uncivil democrats it's a billboard out in California and I fucking loved it good for him I did not love this it was in Colorado where big sisses, Jen in Colorado, drag queen Jessica L. Whore, that's her name, L apostrophe H-O-R, R, W-H-O-R, visits middle school after backlash schools issues partial apology. I'm not telling your kids to go off and become a drag queen. After backlash with the community, a school district in Colorado has apologized to parents for not notifying them in advance that a drag queen who goes by the name of Jessica Lahore, which we really should just look at the name to begin with. I mean, do we really want our little kids learning Lahore? Hmm. Visited this school for career day. I guess being a drag queen is a career. Okay. The district said it would not apologize, however, for inviting the drag queen to talk to middle schoolers. A decision to school made in the name of inclusiveness and diversity. CBS Denver reported Monday that a spokesperson for Adams 12 five-star school district admitted the staff of Rocky Top Middle School should have notified parents in advance about what they knew would be a controversial event, the visitation of Jessica Lahore who dressed in a drag garb, ended up speaking to four different classes of 6th and 8th graders, reading a book on bullying and answering questions about negativity and hate. Lahore, a relative of one of the students, was invited to come speak on Friday uh, on Career Day in order to district... In order to, as District Spokesman Joe Fernandi put it, help represent the diverse backgrounds and careers in the community and demonstrate the district's inclusiveness. I want to pause for a second. How's being a drag queen called Lahore a fucking career? Is that a career? Drag queen? Okay. I knew it was going to be controversial because that's what nothing that would be allowed when I was in middle school, Lahore said. At the same time, it opened up a door for conversations. I went to four classes, and every class, one person asked me how to handle negativity and hate. 
there were a lot of kids interested in how I could have the confidence to go out looking the way I look. Lahore dresses as a woman professionally, a job that the drag queen says involves traveling around the country and often working six days a week. Rather than putting on drag performance, Lahore chose to read a book. The books talked about bullying and negative things. Many parents, though, were not as enthused as the district about the choice to the man dressed as a woman to come and talk to kids about school and only find them in advance. Parents are in outrage, and this is so inappropriate on so many levels, CBS Denver was told in an email. But while the district refused to apologize for having the drag queen, Fernandi did offer an official apology for failing to notify the parents. Parents should have known in advance who was coming. The principal of the school also apologized and pledged to inform parents of the future. Lahore had a message for parents too. I would tell the parents, I'm not telling your kids to go off and become a drag queen. I'm telling them to have conversations because it will come up in life. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you had a person from the same walk of life conservative to come in, a preacher, because we're talking culture, to the left, religion is a culture. It's a bad culture. This wouldn't have gone this way. No way in hell could a parent of a child who's a pastor come in and talk about Jesus. You would not tolerate that. And once again, I must hammer the point home. Her name is Lahore. I don't want my 8th grader or 6th grader learning about a whore. I don't want him next to a straight whore. A whore is a whore. Jesus Christ. Another article I'm not going to talk about because I've hit it too many times in here. It was actually in the Canada's National Post. New taboo. Surgeon says sex change regret is on the rise, but nobody's talking about it because of the gay mafia. The return to normal gender is very painful, and in Canada, just like the U.S., which started years ago, a lot of people are going back. It's just a fad. It's not real. It's gender dysphoria. They have a mental fucking illness. And I feel for them. But it's not a career. No, no, no. This is a career, though. Sustaining death. Planned Parenthood will pay to keep abortions alive. Catherine Hedrow of EWTN's Pro-Life Weekly exposed the latest development on front on October 19th where she related on the show that Planned Parenthood is devising a multi-million dollar strategy to enable it to perform abortions no matter what happens at the Supreme Court. Hadro later tweeted the segment out. <clears throat> PP Pact rolls out flashy new campaign to provide abortions no matter what happens at the Supreme Court. We speak out against it on EWTN Pro-Life. Far from satisfied with the consolation that abortion policy returned the states of Roe v. Wade is overturned, case, mind you, that Kavanaugh labeled established precedents, like we've talked about. The Supreme Court doesn't overturn the Supreme Court, you fucking moon bats. But you need something to get elected. I got it. Hatter revealed that PP's poobahs will try to firm up abortion's place in American life in three ways. Through access, policy, and cultural change. While access and policy are nothing new for PP's gigantic lobbying apparatus, quite chilling is the cultural aspect of operation. According to Hadro, PP will collaborate with an entertainment industry to destigmatize abortion. Hadro admitted that Hollywood figures like filmmaker Shanada Rhymes, 
who puts a gay person in every fucking show, even though it doesn't mimic the 5.7% of the world, but okay, have been offered seats on PP's board in the past, but one can only wonder what new machinations will emerge on the cultural front in the wake of this initiative. But Hadro finished on a hopeful note, knowing that PP is only restoring to these men resorting to these methods because they're losing cultural war, and that the flashy public relations campaign can't mask the truth that life is sacred. Oh, Tony, you're pro-life. You're full of shit. Okay. Kathy Zhu. Yesterday, I was pro-choice. I believe that women should have to say, and the government should be interfering with our lives. Today, I'm pro-life after watching Gosnell and doing an in-depth research. I finally understand the horrors of loopholes and late-term abortions. Please go watch Gosnell. Woman of color. Huge article. All over the internet. Because Gosnell is doing well. And it's showing you what PPFA does. Abortion is not birth control. It's murder. Moving on. Black Lives Matter says the hate you give should be more anti-cop. That's that new movie coming out. Not going to read it. It's doing well. But literally they're saying it's too nice to the cops. They're pieces of shit. Black kid gets killed. Some girl. It's a whole. Cops are horrible movie. And per the norm with Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, it's not good enough. Cops all should have died. Vogue photographer Kendall Jenner with Afro hair. Now they're apologizing. We didn't. Why didn't they use an ethnic model that has hair like that? That's another big thing going on lately. Hmm. So that's kind of a given. But you're Vogue and she's cool, and you think, well, she's a Jenner and she's a mix, so we're good. No, you're not. You're you're not. To our crazy crime stuff. Venezuela, corpses exploding in morgues due to power shortages. Just going to let that set. Just let it set. That's just fucking gross. Two women's bodies found by bound by duct tape together discovered floating in New York's Hudson River, police say. Yeah, that, that's fucking horrible. In the, oh my God, you're a dumbass file. California man using blowtorch to kill spiders starts house on fire. I'll give him this. They were black widows. Yeah, but he pretty much burned his fucking house down. Blowtorch? Really? For a spider? I usually use a shoe. I'm a big shoe guy. Roll paper. Something. This one scared the shit out of me. Satan-worshipping girls plan to kill classmates, drink their blood out of a goblet. Yeah, that's, that's fucking horrible. And that's the end of News and Social Media Nuggets, which takes us to our lighter fare, and we'll go straight in to a satirical Democratic campaign commercial. Hi, I'm a spokesperson for the Democratic Party, and I'm here to tell you why you need to vote blue this November. Democrats are the party of love and tolerance. We promote inclusion and acceptance, peace and goodwill. 
Republicans don't care about any of these things. They just want to talk about record unemployment, the economy, and keeping communities safe. Fascists. Democrats have positive, practical priorities, like abolishing the Electoral College, eliminating due process, and banning hate speech. These are the values of the American people. Well, at least Americans that live in San Francisco and New York. Republicans often use fear-mongering rhetoric like constitution or liberty. Democrats condemn such language as divisive and instead focus on more unifying topics like repealing the Second Amendment or kneeling for the national anthem. Democrats are the party of equality, so much so that we insist upon unconditionally believing women and disbelieving men because, well, feminism. If you ask us to explain this logically, we will scream in your face and call you a misogynist. Republicans want to take away a woman's sacred right to choose to have her child decapitated inside the womb and torn apart limb by limb with forceps. Democrats celebrate the right to violently murder your child because we're compassionate. Democrats believe that women are powerful and independent. They are also helpless victims of the patriarchy who require government intervention to succeed. Any woman who disagrees with us on this is a self-hating, stupid bimbo. And you know, it's time someone was finally brave enough to say this. Republicans are racist. Democrats have the same positive message for minorities that we have for women. You're a victim, and you're useful to us. If you disagree, we'll insult your intelligence, but it's for your own good. Republicans want to stop certain people from coming into this country. They cite the infiltration of gang violence or opioids or sex trafficking as reasons to stop illegal immigration. But Democrats accept these as the natural consequences of opening up the borders, which, of course, is the more loving thing to do. Democrats recognize that the key to a better tomorrow is to look forward, not backward. That's why we reject capitalism and all of its greed and instead opt for socialism, which has worked so well every time it's been tried. Democrats are the party of the common people, the poor and the marginalized, the weak and defenseless. While Republicans promise freedom, we promise free stuff. That's how we win over young people. Our goal is to make the government work for you so you don't have to work at all. Republicans are always pushing religion in our faces. We reject their bigotry. Religious people are idiots. Democrats would much rather you sacrifice yourself on the altar of progressivism. The truth is, as the party of empathy, we're just better than everyone else. That's why we spend so much time telling people who don't align with our agenda that they're not just wrong, but that they're bad people. We still haven't figured out that this condescension is what lost us the 2016 election. Nevertheless, we're confident that through censorship, emotional manipulation, and continued bullying that will eventually get our way. Why? Because we care about you. So much so that we're willing to wear you down until you fear getting silenced, doxxed, or fired because you don't agree with our agenda. That's love. I'm the spokesperson for the Democratic Party. Vote for us in November. That is the greatest thing I've ever played <clears throat> on this podcast. I don't even disagree with it. She's being satirical, but that's actually how I see it right now. From this loser, middle-aged, balding, fat, white guy in a red state. Totally horrible human being. Everything she said was true. That's their platform. Their platform is, you're a piece of shit. And we're going to keep telling you that till you believe it and you vote for us. 
classic. Our other lighter fare is from the Babylon Bee. I thought this was perfect. Believe All Women Movement publishes an extensive list of exceptions. U.S. After facing mounting criticism over apparent hypocrisy within its ranks, the movement using the hashtag, hashtag Believe All Women, have come out with an extensive list of exceptions to its directive to always believe all women no matter what. While Americans from both sides of the aisle largely agree that women's stories shouldn't be dismissed out of hand, the far left's insistence that everyone always believe all women has gotten some pushback. This list of exceptions is designated or designed, excuse me, to clarify the left's position according to spokesperson. Including the list are the following Bill Clinton's accusers, Put Potiphar's wife, Delila, conservative woman, women who accused Democratic candidates, Sarah Sanders. Any woman that left suddenly decide they didn't don't like anymore. Nikki Haley, Dana Loesch, women the Democrats no longer have political need to exploit. Melania Trump, Cersei Baratheon, any woman who argues for pro-life causes. The full list goes on for another 8,000 pages explaining exactly which women the left doesn't believe while still proclaiming that everyone should believe all women. This new list lets us be consistent with our rallying cry, said Hillary Clinton. We can now simultaneously say that we believe all women while conveniently ignoring or silencing women whose stories conflict with our narrative. The list is available online in a 587 megabyte PDF download. Or a hard copy of the binders full of women can be purchased by Hillary Clinton's official website. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty true. And I lied. I, I guess I had a couple, a couple more. Uh, the other one, San Francisco now has invested more money into the poop problem. And they have a Snap Crap app available on Android and Apple. Are you fucking shitting me? Are you fucking shitting me? Good Lord. And our last is a good story. Love you forever. Wife about to give birth gives her baby the greatest gift ever. One Minnesota woman who was about to give birth performed a miracle to save her husband's life just in time for him to see the baby. On October 16th, Ashley Goette, 28, from West St. Paul, who was 39 weeks pregnant, awoke to find her husband, Andrew, 28, snoring and grasping for air. She called 911. A dispatcher coached her on how to perform CPR on Andrew, who had gone into cardiac arrest until paramedics arrived and took him to University Hospital. At a press conference, Dr. Alex Teeters, a pulmonary and critical care physician at United Hospital, said doctors cooled Andrew's body at the hospital. The doctors were preparing for the worse because Andrew had not been breathing, causing his brain to become oxygen depleted and suffer brain damage. ICU nurse Libby Remmer said the hospital later warmed Andrew's body, reducing the medication, keeping him in a coma. Ashley recalled she was frightened, saying, I didn't want to have to think for one second about having to do any of this without him. I kept telling him the whole time he was asleep or in a coma that I was not going to have this baby until he woke up. Andrew woke up on October 17th, Rimmer said. I looked at him at one point and said, Andrew, open your eyes. And he did. And it was really just the best moment. Ashley echoed. Libby, the nurse, grabbed him and said, Andrew, do you know you're having a baby? And he went, hmm. And she was like, do you want to be there to be part of the baby's life? And he shook his head, yes. On October 18th, Ashley was induced and had her baby. That is a great story. 
good for her. Best of luck with their family. And dude, you're probably like me. We need to lay off the bacon before we, we, we stroke the fuck out. Yeah. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with family and friends. Send emails about comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-T-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast.com. See links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. There you see a link to every episode on the episode release page and absolutely dick on my blog page because I suck. Next podcast will be 2 November, Year of Our Lord, 2018. Once again, apologize. Life got in the way, but that's good. Life's supposed to get in the way of your hobby. I hope you all take care out there. Stay warm. I know it's cold, hot, cold, warm, cold, warm. I guess is what we're in right now down here. But stay warm. Winter's upon us. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And tune in on November 2nd for another exciting episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. As always, thanks for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.